This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Thank you for joining us for another episode of No Stop Lights. I want to thank our sponsors, Mickey Fins, Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, Schofields, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. Got the scrolling behind us, so we're uh, perpetually thanking our sponsors as we um, as we make another attempt or a feeble attempt at uh, at podcasting. Very often, you make determinations based on what you read, what you hear, what you learn. Uh, from afar, we had an opportunity to be joined by uh, three people uh, in our studio, two of which um, call the PD region of South Carolina home, the other a native of Warsaw, Poland. So, um, uh, you know, a, a person who is from Warsaw, Poland, giving an accounting of what's happening in uh, Ukraine is a lot more believable, authentic, real, and personable than what we read and here on the evening news, I felt it very educational. I felt it would be very educational for you to hear from someone who was actually fighting the good fight, so to speak, and um, in some of the foreign lands around the world. And uh, and once again, not having to determine or base our interpretations on what the the mainstream media says, what talk radio says, what what a website may say. And we think you'll find it uh, interesting and revealing. Matt Floyd and Madison Floyd were with us last week. And, um, and really tugged at my heart and some of what they're doing personally and as a family through a foundation they've created. And they said, we're going to get this other guy who is far more intimately involved in what's happening in Ukraine. And they got him, and he's standing before us this morning. Got three people. I won't attempt his name. I'm going to put you on the spot, Matt, right. and make you, um, and, and since you're the instigator of all this, <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going, first of all, welcome back again. And, and let's, let's kind of give the thumbnail, cliff note, of exactly – uh, what we talked about last week, for those that may not have been listening, and, and what, what has motivated you to be as personally involved in this particular situation in Ukraine as you've become. Thank you for having us back on, Ken. Uh, we appreciate it. We had a good time last time jumping into um, what we're trying to accomplish in Ukraine. That's why we have Yonash with us. I will not attempt to say his last name. You can introduce yourself here in a minute. <laughs> uh, it, <clears throat> I can't pronounce Polish last names. But I think we we touched on the fact that we we um, took a couple of trips over to Poland and Ukraine and just had a uh, a look at what different missions groups are doing over there to try to provide relief efforts to people um, who need assistance, and that is the majority of Ukraine right now, I think. Um, and Yonash works with an organization over there, uh, actually coordinating relief efforts uh, among different uh, churches and groups that, that are providing assistance all over Ukraine. And Madison, I'm going to go back to you. I mean, you, you've, you've been boots on the ground multiple times. Um, you, you're, you're, you're preparing to go back again, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, first of all, i got to ask you again, how old are you? I'm 20 years old. And see, that just amazes me that a 20-year-old would have the awareness to be involved in something as consequential as what you are. But, but your father talked about, you know, the, the, the initiation of involvement. Um, what, what do you hope to see accomplished? I mean, obviously you can't fix the problem in that part of the world single-handedly, but, but as a, um, as a father, son, you're, you're the son. What, what do you hope to see happen? Well, I think that our main goal is to put a dent in this cycle of violence as it were. 
that exists over there now because of the war. This hatred between Ukrainians and Russians that passes to their children. And if we can affect that in any way to lighten the burden of war over there, that's our main goal, to lighten this hatred, this melancholy that sticks on people because of this war. Jonas, I want to go to you, and I want to tip your last name. Introduce yourself. Uh, first and last name, if you don't mind. Hello, Ken. Thank you for having me as well. My name is Jonas, and last name is Skrzypkowski. There are seven vowels in that last name in a row, so you don't need to repeat it, and I hope our listeners will understand my thick Polish accent. Uh, if they don't, Madison, please just help me out here. <laughs> if they can understand my thick Southern accent, they'll do just fine with your with your accent. So so let's let's go back to the beginning. Um, we hear certain things about that part of the world. Everything we hear is from the media. Mm. Uh, I, I, I try to convince people every day to be skeptical of what the media tells you, and, and myself included. So, so put the media narrative aside. What do the American people need to know about what's happening in Ukraine? Well, it's not easy to put media narrative inside because every one of us who listens to radio, watches TV is under uh, that uh, some kind of propaganda. Uh, but what we see in Ukraine, and I spent in the period of last year, four of my months in Ukraine, uh, the war is ongoing and it uh, uh, causes damages outside of, I think, everyone's... Um, um, expectations. expectations, yes. Uh, thousands and thousands of people have lost roofs under their heads. Uh, the, the poverty that is increasing um, turns apart families. Uh, there are millions of people that left the country. Um, and we've seen that for the very first day of the war, um, and it continues. Uh, of course, um, it is... Uh, with every month, there are different problems, or some are increasing, and uh, the situation changes. Um, but uh, there are millions of people in Ukraine who lost their jobs. It is estimated that one-third of all population lost their jobs in the last year. Um, all of others' salaries were cut, at least by 10%. Um, there are several millions Ukrainians in Poland alone. Uh, mainly women and children. Uh, so as you can imagine, the, the families are separate, separated. So that causes a lot of um, other problems too. But the war is real and, and we see the consequences of it. So you're originally from Poland. That's right, sir. And live where now? And ex well, I live in in Warsaw, in Pol uh, that's the capital of Poland. Okay, so, so, and here's where I'm getting. So if you're in Poland, you're in that part of the world, but you're not in Ukraine. Well, what, 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 what how unstable? I mean, please help us understand, because once again, what we hear is from the New York Times, the Washington Post, the ABC um, News Desk, and we know better than to trust them, to be honest. But how volatile, I mean, you grew up in Poland. That's right. How volatile and unsettled is that part of the world? Um, just to clarify, I live in Warsaw, but I travel between Poland and Ukraine. So my last year is literally going from Warsaw to Kiev and back. And that's how far, geographically, how far are those two cities apart? That's a drive of around 12 hours. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you go through 
smaller towns and and villages and uh, it's not like i'm going 12 hours ahead uh, just straight i would stop in by the border in home it's a small town by the border with ukraine in poland that's where my parents my parents live and uh, that was the first stop for refugees to to leave ukraine um so i was there in march april last year to to help with what was going there with masses of people living in ukraine and then when i on my way to kiev i will stop in Łódź and rivne these are two ukrainian cities meeting people there uh, churches their leaders and uh, seeing what's um, their response to the war and my final stop so where i spent most of my time during last year is irpin and irpin is a city of about 70,000 people before the war that was heavily damaged by russians during just five six weeks of occupation 70 percent of all buildings in irpin are damaged or destroyed uh, because of the the war activities that were happening at that time. Okay, I told you during the break that I'm a child of the Cold War. Mm. I mean, I, I you know, the first president that had any impact on me would be Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan basically declared war on communism. Out of that came nuclear buildups. And I mean, you know the story. Historically, um, we've been conditioned to believe that every ill in that part of the world is Russia's fault. I mean, it's expansionist Soviet Union. It's... um. Putin trying to get the band back together and and recreate the the nostalgic Soviet Union are, are we are we close to, to to being accurate in that assumption? Um, Poland, I think, in your mind, was the same, right? Correct. It was supposed to be a part of the Soviets, uh, part of the world, Soviet influence. Where I was born in 1992, I'm 31, so already. Um, uh, when Poland got an independence from Soviet Union, the Soviet Union collapsed. And I think it's one of the examples, and there are more countries like Czech Republic, Slovakia, and those countries that were under Soviet influence 30, 40 years ago, um, and are not anymore. Because Poles, yeah, Polish people, they did not want the uh, Soviets or Russians after that to uh, to have control over them and uh, this the same now happens with ukrainians they realize that they're as a nation um they can do much better than uh, being a part of that part of the world so if they want to why shouldn't we support getting really their independence from moscow um and i'm not a politician um i am uh, not good at with uh, i don't follow media uh, but when i talk to ukrainians uh, and there are polls on that i think 80 percent ukrainians right now they they want to get to european union they want to change that perspective from the east to west and uh, when you talk to them uh, they're very clear it's it's not like they want a lot they want to be sure that they have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, that they can travel, that they can have raise their families in safety, having a perspective of economic growth. So these are, uh, this is their motivation. And I'm in Ukraine when I travel there uh, to see how can we help with 
the result of the war and eventually also somehow just help Ukrainians get to the point where they want to be. I want to take a break and come back and I want to ask a question and I want you to think about this during the break. As someone who lives in Poland, do you wake up every day wondering when Russia will make that next next expansionist move? I mean, is that something you go to bed with? I mean, we, we live in a very blessed and prosperous nation, but we also have the benefit of um, of not sharing a lot of borders with people. Canada to the north, Mexico to the south. You got in the Pacific Ocean on the west coast and Atlantic Ocean. I mean, Jefferson, even in the early days, realized that we were strategically positioned. But but Poland shares a border with, with Russia. Do you wake up every morning wondering, is today the day that Russia begins trying to put the band back together, formerly known as the Soviet Union? Matt Floyd, his son Madison Floyd are here. They've been to Ukraine. They've created a foundation that, that I, I don't want to say is trying to raise awareness, but, but trying to engage and educate people here about the issues over there that they brought with them someone um, who I think is going to be in an event that, that you're hosting, Matt. Um, That's right. Yeah, and, and kind of to raise some money to try and raise awareness and and um, and I guess create an American conversation about the realities of the situation. But Jonas, um, what the last name again? Skripkovsky. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there, there. That's what I was about to say. Um, but but I, I want to go back to the question I asked you before, and then I want to get to some other things. So so you live in Poland. That is right. Do you do you are you concerned at day? I am very. I have very little concern as an American. The biggest concern we have today with a border is the southern border and fentanyl. I mean, if we chose to fix that, we could fix that. The, the, the issue with the Polish-Russian border is a lot more complicated and cultural than that. Oh, yes, and it has a thousand years of history. And that, that's where I'm headed. I mean, you know, America's a baby of a nation. I mean, as much good as we've done in the world, it, we've done it in a, in a limited amount of time. But, but do you, as, as a Pole, fear that tomorrow is the day that Putin tries to expand in, in, into Poland? Um, I definitely do not. And, but even if that was the case, it wouldn't be the first time in our history. Uh, for a thousand years, we were, our borders changed. We were either impacted or a part of Germany or Russia. And, um, and I'm not really worried about um, what happens next. Um, if, if, let's say, my parents' house in Helm, 15 minutes from the border with Ukraine, in 10 or 15 years will be under Russian occupation, because I don't think this is the core of, um, of what society is and, and, and people themselves. Uh, you know, there was a period in, in, Pol uh, in Poland 120 years when we didn't have our own state, our own borders, but the Polish people were there. And um, um, when we speak, I feel like um, many Americans have this picture of Russia, of this big, uh, you know, bear that, that is taking uh, state after state. But that's, that's just not true. Let's, let's look at the last 30 years and how after uh, Soviet Union collapsed and Baltic countries, including Poland, we are now a part of the Western world and, and big time. And, and now Ukraine uh, tries to go that direction and we're seeing um, some kind of movements in Kazakhstan and other countries of past, uh, past Soviet Union. 
what I'm trying to say here is um, there's I do not think that that supporting Ukraine uh, will or need to lead the composition of Russia or that Russia and parallelism will stop to exist um, um, but with uh, individual countries and um, uh, like Poland and Ukraine now what's happening there um, people fighting for their freedom let them let them do that and our response um, as Christians because I am a Christian is to help everyday people people who are struggling because of these events but do, does 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 the Russian government government represent the the interests of the Russian people there, there's a belief in America and I'll call one of our state senators Lindsey Graham one of the hawkish senators in the US Senate he believes that if we could replace Putin there would be another Russian leader that says, well, I mean, these are our boundaries and we need to stay here. Poland is Poland. Ukraine is Ukraine. Some of the other territories of the former Soviet Union that want to join the Western world and NATO. Um, Putin's the problem. Is Putin the problem? Or if Putin is replaced, will there be another leader? Um, but because it's so embedded in the Russian DNA. Um, perhaps there will be. Um, but, you know, there. it's not like god is not working for the worst leaders uh, in the history right um and uh, just looking at at putin himself um and what he's been doing um i when i i pray that god will either take him down or that he will convince him of his sins and uh, uh, either way, um, I don't need to worry about what's next. But he seems to be like most Russian leaders, correct? I mean, historically, the Russians have been expansionist. I mean, they take territories, and we can debate the, the you know, the, the, the borders of a thousand years ago, or the borders of 500 years ago. But, but a lot of Americans believe that if Putin was replaced, it would be simply another Russian expansionist. And, you know, Poland's in play, Ukraine's always in play. What do you say to the American who questioned the investment the American taxpayer and military are making in a part of the world that is far, far, far away? Um, I would say, you know, the U.S. is a part of NATO, and it is the, the biggest player there. It's uh, kind of our, our mama in NATO, right? There are there is Poland and other countries uh, in European Union, and the game here, first of all, is not just of America. Uh, it is of Poland. It is of the Baltic country and um, the rest of uh, uh, NATO countries in Europe. Uh, An engagement of the Western world is that a fair way to say it? That that some of these ex some of these Eastern Bloc countries wish to embrace. Western culture, Western values, Western Christianity. Yeah, it's not like the U.S. is invading Ukraine. Sure. Yeah. It is Ukrainians. It is there. It's, it's, so that's what makes it so different from Iraq, from Afghanistan. Um, Ukrainians are, they're literally, the conflict is because they are trying to be on our part of the world. Um, uh, so um, 
they know, looking at the last 30 years, um, that if they will be under Russia uh, influence, there is nothing for their grandchildren in terms of uh, even economy. Um, many Ukrainians went to Poland already after 2014, so when Donbass and Crimea was taken, and um, and you know they travel, they talk, they see the value that uh, uh, the results of values, a country built on the values of Western values, so freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, freedom of traveling, uh, freedom um, of just having your life in your hands. Um, so is it American investing against Russia? That's, I don't think, I don't have, I don't think, I don't see that this way when Poland is putting their billions uh, investing into um, that conflict either. Because my perspective is that we are uh, trying to, I mean, as states, uh, we are trying to just help and change thousands and thousands of people, millions of them in Ukraine, who are not forced to do that. They, that's, 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 that's what they want. Um, and the same as in Poland 30 years ago, I am sure that everyone in the Western world will benefit uh, from having Ukraine on our part of history, on our part of the world. Are the American investments being made where they should be made? I mean, we know about the weaponry and the military assistance. There's a humanitarian crisis in Ukraine that the three of you are, 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 are invested in, without question about it. You've lived it somewhat in that part of the world. But but are, are American assets being invested in, in, in the best way imagined? In other words, are we helping the people that need help most, Matt? <clears throat> or, or, or either one of you guys jump in here. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I, you know, you and Ash would definitely know more about that. But I think I mentioned the last time that that I was on the show that, that no, you don't see fifty billion dollars or a hundred billion dollars, you know, in aid being delivered up and down the roads. Um, it's volunteers. You and Ash is a tax attorney uh, in 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 Warsaw, and he quit his job to go live in Kiev to help people. And if it weren't for people like him, kind of all over Ukraine, then it would be a mess. It would be a lot where there would be people starving all over the place. Have you ever seen any anything that you know, once you saw it, you wish you could unsee it? Oh yeah, sure. I think that happened to to us all over Ukraine. I mean, we would see, you know, a house with no roof, this was back in August with a tarp pulled over the side of it and little kids clothes on a clothesline. Those people are living in that house with no power, no water. And here comes winter, you know, it, we saw that all over the place. Uh, in Poland, you would see people living in their cars and that was people that came to refugees. Yeah. They had nowhere to go. Um, Don't and forget it's, uh, Bucha. Bucha. Yeah. What do you want to say about just specifically i just wanted to say that was one of the things that really impacted me when we were over there just seeing that church but you're talking about i mean oh he's talking about the church where um people were tortured and executed and buried right behind the the church by the russian military yeah Yeah. 70 something of them 
I think the youngest one was 14. Yeah, it was. So are are the Americans helping, Yanish, are the Americans helping in regards to to the, the brutalizing of the Ukrainians? I mean, I understand that we are unbelievably equipped to assist militarily. Are, are we arguing that, that a lot of the American treasure should be invested in the cause of humanitarianism and, and, and allowing the Ukrainians to at least live with some degree of dignity? I mean, is that a fair characterization? Not only Americans. Um, both do. But, but you would <laughs> but agree. Okay, I, okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I definitely agree. I, that... I'll, I'll vent for a second. I want to get your take. I've never had an opportunity to ask somebody like you this question. Why is it always America? I mean, why does America always have to be the ones that stick their neck out the furthest of anybody else? I mean, I've always, you're a genuinely, I mean, you're a political activist. You may not call yourself that, but you are. I mean, in America, you would be called a political activist and someone who has not sat on the sidelines, but rather engaged in the battle. And I applaud and respect the hell out of you for doing that because it's not the easy. The easy thing would be to stay in Poland, do your tax accounting or your tax attorney business, and, and let that be. You chose to not do that. But but do you understand the Americans, not complaint, but, but the point we make of why are we always the one sticking our neck out further, than investing more than anybody else invest in the name of advancing uh, the, the cause of Western civilization? I understand what you're saying. And just first of all, it's not just America. So let's say um, even here with, with the one who's in the studio with Matt and Madison, um, we in Poland, uh, our organization, we made that response. We knew what's the right to do first to take care of the strangers of people that were coming from Ukraine. Um, that's, um, and we didn't care about how much money we would need to put into it. When we started to receive refugees in the church, uh, we didn't have our bills paid. The cost didn't matter to us because we knew that this is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to help people who need shelter, who are looking for, um, for to lay their, ha- they, 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 they heads after being for days at the border. Um, and then we realized uh, that poverty that just grew in Ukraine and we started to organize humanitarian aid transports. Uh, and we didn't think of, you know, having a system to uh, raise money and, um, you know, send tons of food. But we started with one van and, and yeah, after a year we sent more than 130 semi-trucks of food and hiding products into Ukraine. And yes, a big part of it is American support. Um, um, but I do not think it is using American money or finances. Um, it's, 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 it's not an, I wouldn't probably say that it's an investment of any kind. Um, but, uh, just looking at our economies, uh, America economy, Americans, uh, uh, people, uh, money. You are, guys, one of the richest nation in the world. You don't realize that. But for me, as a Paul coming to the U.S. and, uh, you know, that's even driving from Anderson, South Carolina, to, to here, to Florence, which is 
you know, it is it, not Maryland or some other those fancy states. You don't realize you guys are what you have. Ninety percent of the world do not. Even in Poland and uh, Ukraine. Uh, hold on to that. And gotta... So, so how much does it cost you to give what you have in your pockets, last dollar, to something that's happening there? Because this is really uh, that would be enough. Don't don't me that the people of Ukraine, Poland, those under the the persistent threat of Russia, expansionist Russia, these folks want us there. I mean, they're embracing American ideology. They're em- embracing. American values. And, and I've done this. I've tried to equate our involvement in Ukraine with our involvement in Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran and that part of the world. And I'm not naive to the oil and Israel. I mean, I understand those mutual interests we have. Uh, the Hormuz Strait, I think 70% of all the world's oil makes its way through there. If it's not secure, global commerce has serious issues. So I accept um, that there's kind of an unholy alliance there. What, 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 what just dawned on me, Rev, is the fact that um, Yonish and the people of Poland, um, whomever is fighting for freedom in Ukraine, they have a burning desire for America to be there. They have a burning desire to be associated with Western culture, Western values, uh, the Western way of life, Christianity uh, being a big part of that, the right to practice your faith in, in public. I mean, I don't put words in it, but, but, but am, I, am, I, am I on the right trail? when I go down that road. You'll literally put words out of my mouth because for us, Americans are not only allies. Um, uh, when Americans come to Poland, I think maybe Matt, you could share your experience. Um, you will get the, the, the biggest smile and the interest probably you've had in your life. Everyone just wants to talk to you and, and, and uh, because it's almost like a family, you know, uh, obviously we know the U.S. from the movies and music and all of that, but we just love American people. And this is quite the same with Ukrainians and even older ladies, babushkas, uh, that many of them we met with Madison in January, um, they were, you know, Soviet, many of them, they served in the Red Army, uh, in the Soviet Army, and they were just talking to Madison, wanting to hug him and, and uh, spend a few minutes, even though they barely understood. Hey, when a man, that know, when a man who knows everything is able to learn something, that's, a, that's an important moment. Right, Rev? Mm-hmm. Right, Rev? Yes, I'm okay. here. I hear. What do, I what mean, do you mean? You sat with me for eleven or twelve years, <laughs> right? Um, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, when, when a man who thinks he knows everything is 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 sympathetic, to understanding something, that then you know. Well, uh, well, I'll give you this: you're always the curious type. Well, anyway. I'm extremely curious about this because all I know is what I've been told, all I know is what I've read, all I know is what some of the scholars and academics and historians and and journalists have reported. And as a child of the Cold War. I mean, I was taught to hate the Russians. I just assumed the Russians hated me. I mean, I just made that assumption from afar. My dad, those damn Russians. I mean, my, what, what did my dad, my dad knows nothing. He could have found Russia on a map for a million dollars. But but those damn Russians, why? Because Reagan said it. You know what I mean? Or some hawk at the Pentagon um, said that. We have a unique opportunity today to talk to someone who is deeply entrenched in the culture of, uh, you know, what I refer to as that part of the world, Eastern Europe and the, and the former Soviet Union, 
And what happened when, I mean, let's give Reagan a lot of credit. You know, he stuck to his guns. The Soviet Union uh, fell. Out of that came um, an awakening, uh, Poland. Uh, we're talking about has um, accepted, embraced some of the Western culture, Western values, allowing uh, Christianity to be publicly um, celebrated. We have with us, I want to make sure we got our, our lineup here. Matt Floyd was with us last week and, um, and and agreed to bring this guy back with us this week. Madison Floyd, his son, with it, is with us. And then we have Jonas. That's right. And the last name again? Skshipkovsky. I think you pronounced it different way the last time. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't, so you recognize SKI at the end, and that's what makes me Polish. Yeah, yeah. I, I would so abuse that. I won't even <laughs> I won't even give it a detail. I want to go back to Matt for a second because uh, we're, we're learning together as we go through this. So... So one day you're thinking and, and you decide, wow, that place in the world looks like somewhere that needs help. I, I, I mean, what motivated you to, to figuratively get off the couch and involve yourself? Because you're deeply involved in this personally and, and financially. I mean, you, you're invested in what's happening in Ukraine. But what was that get off the moment couch for you, Matt? Um. Well, we ha my dad started the foundation back in 2017, and then he got me to join him. And the foundation does a lot of work with local charities uh, like the House of Hope and the Lighthouse, the different places in, in, in Florence and throughout the state. But like I was telling the story last week, I, I was just moved by watching the invasion and it... it you know, watching the TV and, and whining about it for weeks on end, that's when my son was like, hey, let's go over there and actually do something instead of just complain. And we did. And, and this story is really just that simple. We just went over there to, to help, to offer financial help. But also, uh, I, I'm just the kind of guy, if I'm going to donate money to somebody, I want to see what they're doing. I want to meet them. I want to shake their hand. And that's how we met. Yonash uh, and several other people. We've made a lot of friends in, in Poland and Ukraine, people that we support. And Madison, this has been life-changing. I mean, is that fair to say? You're a 20-year-old? Yes, sir. This, this, this has been something that has fundamentally changed your life? Altered it completely. Uh, elaborate. I mean, and, and, I, mean I, I get, I mean, Matt said earlier, there, there are things you see that you wish you could unsee. I mean, we, we've all kind of been down that road to some degree. But but what what about you is different today because of the the journey you're on? Um, a lot of people would say that the trauma or uh, major life events make one into a, a real man. I would agree with this sentiment. I think it's true. I think that I was a boy last February, and I'm a man now. I, I do think that, sincerely. It's changed all that I want out of life. I want to pursue this as, you know, the rest of my life. I'm going to school. I've applied to school in Warsaw in October. You know, I'm, I'm going to live my life over there for the next foreseeable future wow with my dear friend Janosh here who i often call my older brother because we've we grow we grew so close we spent close to a month together in poland and ukraine in january and this was this was the the best part of my life you know that's a highlight of my life despite all the the trials and travails and crazy stuff we went through over there this was one of the best experiences of my life. And how encouraging is that to you, Janusz, to know that there are Americans willing to, 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 to put that much into the effort? Um, 
Well, uh, knowing Madison and also seeing that kind of transformation from boy to man, um, I, I have, I, mean, I have no words. As you can tell now, <laughs> I have no words. But I experience this as well. Uh, you know, it's not like I was planning to move to Ukraine or help Ukrainians. This is I had a career. Um, for six years, I was advising the, the biggest companies in the world with their businesses in Poland, uh, VAT and customs, and I liked the job. But seeing the needs as Matt shared here, seeing uh, these pictures on the TV, and then um, finding out that many of my friends of friends and families from Ukraine are now in, in, in Poland and speaking to them and observing, you know, my heart just opened and I realized that yeah I can I can do something about it well I don't have much money but I have some organizational skills I I know some people and um, um, and I think that's that's what brought us together um, and 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 changed the the last year um, so seeing Americans get involved um, this is this is what Western world is about. And, and I want, coming I'll, together, unifying when there's a need. Okay, okay there's Matt. Nothing and, like that in other parts of the world. And you and Madison have made a financial commitment. If somebody wants to make a financial commitment via your organization or your foundation, you and I were talking a second ago. We'll let the government buy the bonds. We'll, we'll let the government decide how much military armaments need to make their way to Ukraine to help them defeat the Russians. You're not interested in that. You're more interested in the the humanitarian side of this situation, and the money that people choose to donate will will go to support people like Yanish. I don't want to misspeak here, but but is that? I mean, am I articulating that yeah, correctly? Yeah, you are. We're we're not buying bullets and body armor. We're we are buying food and diapers and heaters and basic necessities uh, and sending them to towns that have been devastated by the war. There are homeless people in Ukraine that are living in churches. They're refugees in Poland that they haven't had a place to call their own in the last year. Uh, those people need help. And uh, Yonash is one of the people that's directly providing those people. Help. And Madison, you sent me a text or an email. How can someone help? Whether it's twenty dollars or twenty thousand dollars, how can someone aid and assist your foundation and Yonash? Yeah, so we have a website. It's themadisonfloydfoundation.com, and that's our that's our website. You can give on there. Um, we're having a fundraiser tomorrow that Yonash is speaking at. It's a private event uh, for you know the more philanthropic types of the area, but for the common person, I mean, every dollar to this is doing work you know every dollar in this is helping people you can have a part in this that you can be proud of to yourself you know what i mean it's it's an impact like not much else in this world you know much I think it's uh, what we're it's it's hard to describe but from what i saw i believe this is probably the the biggest humanitarian crisis that that the planet's seen since that nobody's really reporting on you know, nobody's reporting on it but it's it's just utter devastation and um and there there's significant need 
significantly. Yannish, I want to ask you, this will be the weirdest question you probably ever hear, but I'm, I'm a crazy American. You know how we are. So, so you've done a good job of explaining, articulating what the people of Poland feel as they transition from being controlled by the former Soviet Union to a Western culture and a, and a Western way of life. Mm. We're talking about the Ukrainians and their fight for freedom yeah. to join Poland. Uh, and, and, you know, embracing Western culture, the Western world. Does anybody know? I mean, we know what Putin believes. We, we know what Moscow believes. Uh, we know the, the corruption involved in the relationships with oligarchs and the government. Does anybody know what the rank-and-file Russian feel? I mean, I, I, that's such an interesting and unknown question to me. Uh, do, do we bump into the average everyday Russian who says, man, I'm as tired of this killing as you are? I'm a tired of this confrontation as you are, but, but, but I, I got to believe Matt said earlier, I mean, it doesn't matter what you think you're scared to say something like that for fear of, um, death to, to be, but did, in, in your travels and in your interactions, do you ever encounter the opportunity to speak candidly with, with a fellow Russian? Yes. All of our partners in Ukraine are churches. So what we do, the, the aid and, uh, uh, now construction projects, uh, that's with local churches. And uh, many of people that I met, um, you know, Ukrainian was, Ukraine was sending missionaries to Russia. In fact, it was one of the biggest countries in the world in the terms of how many missionaries they sent. And most of them were to past Soviet countries. So uh, I talked to several pastors in Russia or, um, or their friends. And it is not an easy topic because, as Matt um, noted, um, they are being um, they are being scared, they are being persecuted as well. Um, so many people just rather stay silent. Um, and uh, but there is that there is in my what the people that I talk to, there is no hatred. There is no, um, you know, all of these negative thoughts that I personally had uh, for a long time towards Germans um, because of our history. Um, it's healed now after uh, at the age of 31. Um, but there is a lot of concern about, you know, how they are. It's it's not like they're thinking of... Um, um, Russianizing Europe, you know, uh, these imperialistic uh, kind of ideas are are, are vanished. Um, people in Russia, they're more concerned nowadays to to survive their lives. Their economy is, uh, you know, they have problems probably, if not bigger than Ukraine, then at least the same in many places. Um, and I think our view on Russia, uh, this is this is just a Cold War that uh, shaped us this way. And um, um, and let's think of, uh, you know, let's focus on how average people are. Um, when when you know that their families that their boys are being taken to the army, uh, that there are um, families, older people, uh, pensioners um, who are struggling to survive. 
none of them will hate. That's not what they have in mind. They struggling to make their living. Um, let's keep that in our minds. Last question. Is this the conundrum? Is this the, the, the problem or situation we find our, ourselves in? Vladimir Putin is not in favor of a Western world. Uh, an except Russia under Vladimir Putin will never accept nor, nor be conciliatory toward Russian values, Russian views. But, but if Lindsey Graham, I'm, I'm using Lindsey as an example, if Lindsey gets his way and we have regime change in Russia, what is the likelihood that the next Russian leader is any different than Vladimir Putin? Mm. Um, well, there are already studies on this. You know, it's not like the, the person that will come after Putin will be a complete random. Um, and it most likely be the same, um, if not worse. Um, um, and this how it has been as long as I can remember um, from the history. Um, the, um, but is it our worry? Haven't we seen, you know, the journey or history of Russia in the last 30, 40 years? Is it really our enemy? Well, we know for a fact that a lot of Russian problems are because of their internal policy, because of oligarchy and, and corruption and, um, um, uh, and uh, with all of that, a country after country will be turning from Russia. Ukraine is turning because they're sick of corruption that resulted, uh, that's been there for, for, for years because of Russians' impact. And most of their problems is uh, because of uh, Russian state in Ukraine. Um, um, so I don't really worry about who's next. How important is the spread of Christianity in Poland, in Ukraine? Uh, I, I guess to some degree in parts of, um, of, of the former Soviet Union. How important, I guess what I'm asking is, is Jesus at the center of this? I mean, is the spread of Christianity something that gives you hope? This is a very good question. And, um, and actually, Ukraine is called the Bible Belt of Europe. There are more evangelicals in Ukraine than any other European countries. And it is booming right now. The God is using the war in this, you know, I would never think that it would happen, but in, in, a lot of people left Ukraine. So you could imagine churches would be empty unless there are churches that literally transferred into Poland, some of them to the US. A lot of people left, refugees, and the churches are still full. They're full again. Um, and I've been observing them with my own, own eyes. And God is using this time of darkness to, um, for people to repent. You know, they're looking for peace. They're looking for bread. And they're finding eternal life and the bread of life. And for me as a Christian, it's great to see that even in the midst of war, God is not leaving his people. And actually, he's doing the very opposite. And... I hope and I pray that we will get to see that in Russia as well. Well, I applaud you. I, I could have said it better. There, there's no possible way anybody could have said it any better than, uh, than you just did. 
Madison, I'll go back to you before we get out of here. Um, you've got a foundation. You're, 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 as Dabo says, all in on this. Um, in fact, you're going to school there. You, you're probably, I, man, he may build a life over there, man, if he's that, you know, fully devoted to this. But um, if anybody out there listening wants to help, some have a lot of money, some don't have much money. Uh, everybody has a certain amount of human compassion, and it compels them to try and make a difference. Uh, you've heard the story for the last, what, hour and 20 minutes or so. If someone wants to um, contribute, let, let's make sure they have with clarity a way they can do that. Wonderful. Yeah, just go to our website, themadisonfloydfoundation.com. That's uh, all you have to do. Very clear. I think the URL is themadisonfloydfoundation.com. Donate now button. Yeah. On it. It's real easy to do. And if it's a dollar or $100,000, all donations are, are accepted and appreciated. Absolutely. They're okay. going to do this sort of work right here. There yep, you go. Thank right. you, my man. Good good to meet you. I don't know that I've ever met anybody that, that can give a kind of a boots on the ground accounting of things that I've only read and um and 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 you know studied and try to try to better understand. It, it's it's so interesting to me that the gospel of Jesus Christ works anywhere. I mean, if given the opportunity that the, the gospel of Jesus is an international message, it is a a message of goodness and salvation and and grace and mercy, and j- just imagine people that don't have anything to eat, don't have anywhere to sleep, don't have any uh, way to manage the affairs of their normal lives, but they're finding a way to worship. And, and it's not only that. It's life-changing. Yeah. Well, it's obvious. I mean, it's changed the three of you. Uh, I'm afraid what would happen to me if I went over there <laughs> as radical as I am <laughs> and as consumed by something as I become I can hear my wife right now. Nope, you're not going because I'm not moving to to Ukraine for the rest of my life. Don't, don't I, do it. I, well, you're right. You're right because I, I can. You've got a little bit of that personality. Yeah, uh, I can tell as well. Thanks to all three of you. Thank you for having us on.